Welcome to Ah Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yeah! That was like a prog rock. What if we like hired like a... Yeah, it was what? Uh, like the band, yes. Oh, I love that, yes. I was going to say, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if we hired like a Kevin Eubanks to start like recording with us and they always record the music live. <laughs> a little like, but... <laughs> People, uh, nobody could hang. <laughs> nobody could it hang. Get sick of our bullshit. I'm like wondering, you know, I, I dropped Kevin Eubanks. I think it's like, <laughs> I think nowadays it would be the reference would be Questlove, right? Yeah, I he's think the, so. He's the current like band leader. I don't know who the other band leaders are. Uh, I know the... the uh, Seth Myers is like a, just the name of the band. I don't think they Conan They don't have like a rapport. They have a rapport, but I think they just call them by the band name. There's not like a band leader. But again, I don't watch these late night shows anymore, so. Yeah. And then I can't remember Conan's guy, the drummer from uh Bruce, Bruce Steen's From Bruce Springsteen's yeah. uh Max. Max, Max there Weinberg. you go, Weinberg, yeah. So I loved Conan growing up and that always did make me laugh. He would just like rip on Max or <laughs> say like the stupidest joke and be like, Max likes that or whatever, you know, just yeah. all that shit. I, very fun stuff. Yeah, very good stuff. I love when they're like a band leader becomes like just like a different character on a late night show. Yeah, that's it, exactly what it was. Like, it was like, he's just something else now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm not up to date on like Fallon, Kimmel or any of that, but no. I, I feel like from what, from the outside, it doesn't feel like they have like that fun, like weird comedy ecosystem on in the in their late night. Yeah, it's more just like banter and content these days. Everything just seems, yeah, very much content. It's very like, you know, it, it's just like really sterile and like has to be a very specific kind of way. Like it doesn't like old Conan growing up, and maybe I just wasn't like savvy to it, and probably it was all like every single thing was written out or whatever, but. Uh, it did feel more organic and, like, natural, kind of. They're sort of, like, they're talking. Maybe it was at first, and then it became, you know, they fall into, like, Max is weird, and that's the game that we're going to play for the rest of time and, like, beat that dead horse. Uh, but, I'm down with that dead horse. <laughs> yeah. It did always make me laugh when I was a kid. But, yeah, any kind of... I don't think that, like... Okay. I don't know if Questlove thinks Jimmy Fallon is funny. All the time. <laughs> you know, they're like, I still remember when I heard the Roots were going to be the house band for that show. And I was like, that's so fucking weird. Yeah. You know, I, I have a question. Do you, I, I don't what I, I want. I got to look this up. It's a question yeah. I, I could easily find the answer because I <laughs> uh, I just haven't looked it up. It was interesting to me that I'd recently watched Spike Lee's Bamboozled, which is a great watch. It is. It's It's like an uncomfortable watch. Because it's just it's so good about talking about race, in, especially in the uh, the millennium, pretty much. And um, but what was interesting is the variety show that they like create for that show. That's like the blackface reality show. Is Questlove and his, like the Roots are the the house band in it, and oh, and I was weird. like, is this a weird, funny like prediction that Spike Lee 
did that like or did like did like people like watch that show and miss the like miss the message about racism and things and just go you know quest would would, would that the roots would be a good house band <laughs> like <laughs> right. oh they're willing to do this like, i have to watch this movie i've never seen it or i, I didn't know that about the movie either that the roots were in it or anything. I didn't know that either. I when it originally came out back and I think two I think it was on video in two thousand one. Uh, yeah. I worked at Hollywood Video. I think I picked it up and I think my little like early call Hollywood Video. Yeah, that's where I work, Aww. baby. Um I, my <laughs> my little like my little like Utah entering college brain wasn't ready for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just recently got on Criterion and they, they released it. And I was like, I've been really watching a lot of Spike Lee in the new year and, and like even through quarantine. And I was like, I need to invest. And it's, it's really good. Like yeah. it's early digital too, like digital cameras. So it looks like almost there's shots that look like a student film, like people just pick Crazy. it up, but like it works, it works for the content and like what they're discussing of like, yeah, I really liked it. It's again. It's an uncomfortable watch. Like yeah, if they're talking about like reality shows and shit like that, that makes sense to have digital rather than any kind of film or whatever. And when I say uncomfortable, it's not like oh, it's hard to watch. Like you're gonna like it's good. It's gonna weigh you down. It's more just like Spike's being just direct. He's not hiding. Yeah. He's not hiding what the the, the what they're just, the the discussion of racism. So yeah. I should think not just looking at the image, like the yeah. first images that come up of the like movie cover or movie poster. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's straight up fucking like minstrel show stuff. Yeah, it's. Seems like it's pretty <laughs> overt. <in the> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, aside, uh, uh, backing back up from racism into just late night television. Yeah. Um, I have a weird tangent question, and I think I've done yeah. this before. Okay, what if. Our characters, Hellboy and the BPRD, start a late night, a late night oh talk show. God. What are their positions? Yeah, what if they did do <laughs> yeah. that? I'm just saying. What if they did do that? So, I mean, I'm gonna. What are their What are their roles? I'm gonna put, of course, Hellboy's the host, right? <laughs> or yeah, I mean, uh, who? Well, who's the most uh, talkative? I guess. I'm gonna. Okay, if that's the case, here's my pitch. I feel like Hellboy wouldn't want to be it. He would be like the producer. Or I think he's the sidekick because he's a little curmudgeonly. He just chimes yeah. in every occasional. So I think it's a BPRD late night show. I think sure. you're right here, Kate. Okay? I think Abe is the main host. Like Abe's willing to get out there and do the monologue, you know, yeah. um, and then sit at the ta- desk. But then Hellboy's brought out as like the sidekick sits in the chair. They have a little banter back, a little like him being a curmudgeon. They always make jokes about Hellboy being a curmudgeon. And then he's a little bit of like. He's this, Hellboy's the second banana. <laughs> yeah. I think for a late night, it has to be. I'm imagining like, I don't know why Space Ghost won't come out of my head. <laughs> that's that's a great reference. Cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> but then I'm like, okay, where do you put, who's the band leader? Who's that? What do you, what do you uh, have any thoughts on that? Who would be the band leader? I would say, I get maybe like Daimyo would be the band leader. Wow. I don't know. I'm going Liz. Lord Liz. I'm going to go with Johan Krauss. And he has like, it's Johan Krauss and his ectoplasmic and, band. And all the dead guys <laughs> yeah. that are around. That's actually great. I like that a lot. <laughs> Again, we're coming off. This was not a planned segment. We're just talking about it. I'm the one that introduced it. They know, it. dude. 
<laughs> You're like, what the hell are these guys talking about? I like it. <laughs> I'm trying to then think. You would have a uh, Kate Corrigan as the producer with like the headphones. Yes, on. she's like the right there on set, which they had on Conan too. They would talk about the producer. Yes, like my producer, blah blah blah, is telling me to shut up or whatever. You yeah, know, that like is that. definitely Kate Corrigan. <laughs> <laughs> she's got like a clipboard and she's like shaking her head no. Yes, I love that. Um, and then they would always have, um, I mean, they would have like bit parts. Who's the guy who was like, um, on Conan, there was like an actor who had like, he played like a character called like Minty, of the candy cane <laughs> that fell on the ground. And he would come out with like, he would, he was like a big ass candy cane with like a cigarette butt on him and like dirt and lint and stuff like that. And it was like minty fell on the ground. And like <laughs> but that actor would like come out and do stupid ass like characters like that all the time. Hold on, dude. I'm sorry. No, it's I'm probably like, like the guy that was Brian like Brian McCann. Yeah, he Brian worked McCann. there for years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brian McCann. I think I think our Brian McCann for the BPRD late. Yeah, night. who would be the Brian McCann, yeah. I think that's Roger. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because I think you could, like, he's such a, like a, you can just slap on a bunch of costumes and wigs on him. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's, yeah, he's constantly, you know, he's got a big heavy metal ring where his genitals should be. So, yeah. You know, that's, he's the... (laughs) He's like a weird guy. He's a weird guy all the time. I love that. I'm trying to figure out where it would be. I'm going to watch Brian McCann YouTube bits on Conan after this (laughs) for like hours. I love that. (laughs) What is Liz then? I mean, I'm trying to think of all the positions uh, of what she would like. I don't don't watch late night enough. Um, Have you seen Space Ghost at all? Yeah, Space uh, Ghost is from Voltar. It could be like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking Liz could also be could like. Be, she could be in the band as well. That's true. She could definitely be part of the band. I was thinking she's also like the guest. She's always the guest host when Abe yeah. can't make it. Yeah. Abe's got to go out in the field. So then Liz always steps in. Liz shows up. Liz is the guest host. And burns down the set every, <laughs> every episode. <laughs> or like have they have a dumb segment where they check in with like how like her hot meter. <laughs> like, yeah. she's just like fire shooting out of her eyes <laughs> or like if a, a segment sort gone. of like it's like did that how how angry did that segment make liz let's check in with her <laughs> hot meter <laughs> so, dumb. so much of that yeah so much of like late night stuff is like the host does something dumb and then every other person on the crew is shaking their head no <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just like every, at least on, at least Conan. Yeah, show that's my like kind of late night. So yeah. similar to Letterman too back in the day as well. Yeah, um, that's my thing. Check in with him. I think Daimyo's sort of like remember the um, the what's the guy from Letterman that um, that owned the pizza the pizza shop. The, uh, the I don't pizza. know. I never watched that much Letterman. I, just, I watched Letterman's musical guests because he would always have yeah. musical guests. But they used to do a thing where they would go out to the street, and there was a guy that that just he became like a oh he was staple. like the man on the street guy yeah and he he ran a pizza a pizza parlor or whatever pizza and um truly I think you do that know. with Daimyo I think you always check in with Daimyo on the field <laughs> like what what's he dealing with today <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking he's your man on the street yeah I think he's definitely our man on the street Daimyo and then they do always a segment of like 
you know, don't look at the scar. <laughs> See how many people on the street would can actually pay attention to him. Yeah, they're just staring at him. With, <laughs> and then he turns into a jaguar every time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're writing this right now. <laughs> this yeah. late night BPRD late night. <laughs> uh, I think the announcer is definitely probably oh, Broom. The announcer, sure. Is it Broom? Sure, yeah. I think he's the announcer that brings them in. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of it all. This is so <laughs> silly. silly. It's very silly. Uh, that's our show. We're 13 minutes in and we're silly. This is our show. <laughs> But all right, well, uh, we're transitioning to animating this whole late night. Mm-hmm. I got Tad yeah. Stones on the phone. We're gonna get him to produce it. <laughs> He's like, no, dude. He's like, what are you two talking about? Leave yeah, me alone. I don't even. This email is rambling. <laughs> well, with that said, though, I would love, I would love any of if anybody out there listening that made it this far. Uh, <laughs> would like to chime in and give us your pitches to the BPRD or Hellboy Late Night. Maybe you want to do the other reverse of like what's Rasputin's Late Night, whatever. Pitch us your, um, yeah. the world of Hellboy universe. Yeah, I guess. Uh, late Night. Or, and any show, any any show that it could. Yeah. Like how we were talking last episode about like a talking head kind of a comedy show for the other BPRD. Yes. Shows. Let us know. Give us your pitches at ah crap uh, hellboy podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear them. I uh, can't wait to hear all of that. Uh, <laughs> um, but now we can transition to what we're, this episode is actually covering, um, which of course is the issue three and four, the next two chapters of BPRD's The Warning. Warning. This shit is so crazy. It's it gets fucking nuts. And I these issues are insane. I finished the story. I read ahead and oh, that's five. I w- I probably would have read it last so night. Like, what's happening? But I'll be honest, I had a a tall Modelo last night with some quesadillas and then read this, so I was like fell asleep immediately. I finished the first two chapters because I think the the ones we're covering, but I was like I could read the the last one because I wanted to, but I was like I gotta get the better. I'm not gonna make it up in time. <laughs> <laughs> you party animal. Yeah, party animal. Uh, one, After 30, one if you have bel- one, one beer, yeah. <laughs> one tall you'll be wine. hungover for two days. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I am not recovering. My body is broken. <laughs> oh, yeah, let me... Uh, uh, okay, so written by Mike Mignola and John Arcuti, illustrated by Guy Davis, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, and edited by Scott Alley. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, basically, like, we left off on the second issue with Abe and Kate and a bunch of BPRD agents stranded in the jungle, and uh, Liz has been abducted by Memnon Sa, a.k.a. Martin Guilford. And, yeah, the shit is dire. Shit's dire. And then we get to chapter three. Which we had is, a cool cover. Yeah. Are you looking at it right now? I, yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting cover because I like that this giant thing, which we'll find out what it is, is such in yeah. shadow. And it's like there's really no context for it. So it's just this big, huge mystery. They just they just slap in the middle of this cover, which I <laughs> it's like. like super imposing and creepy. It's yeah, you can't tell like it has like seeming it, it seems to be. Like animatronic or robotic or something, and then it has these tentacles or weird tendrils that seem organic yeah. coming out of it. And then you have uh, 
uh, Johan and Abe in the foreground. Just cool, cool looking cover with, and more of Lobster Johnson's calling cards as well. Yeah. Although, I mean, does Lobster Johnson, he doesn't really show up in this one. I think that's just like a regular thing that it might be part of. It's just included on all of the, where you have the, the, um, the horizontal title of the warning, which I love. I, I actually really love the font they use. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that they like do like a lowercase t the and it's like underlined. But then yeah. the I think if I if I'm correct, I'd have to go back and look at each of them. It's getting closer into that little box, the calling card. It's oh, cool. it's getting closer, or it's, I guess it just changes. It's not so much getting closer; it's just it changes like how much is it filling that little hole. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not consistently getting closer to us. It just like sort of like moves on how much. Cause like the, the second issue, chapter two, it's, it's like being cut off by the little square. Like it's edges. I guess too that they, they want you to just keep him in mind. Like in, in, in the way that they contacted Lobster Johnson during the seance. He seems to know a lot of what's going on. Mm-hmm. He also, you know, at the end of Killing Ground, shot saw in the face through Liz with his ghost bullets and shit. Yeah. So it's like maybe he is influencing something, and we just aren't seeing it yet. Yeah, I'm with it's you. A very cool cover. And I think if you if you are reading everything consistently, especially how we are, this they have a character that's directly related to the first Lobster Johnson storyline. This Gilfred, he was the villain, right. you know what I mean? Even though we really yeah. weren't clear what he was, which if you want to hear our thoughts on that, go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> but maybe that's why there's a connection too, you know? I think you're totally right, yeah. I completely spaced on that. But I mean, it's a fucking cool cover. I love all the shadows. Really cool. I love Abe's like angry face on this cover. He's <laughs> pissed off yeah. in these issues, man. He's like... There's no fun being had by Abe. Like, right off the bat, we're in the suburbs of Munich. Abe, you know, they've located this missing chopper, and Abe is looking, you know, stern as hell. And Johan's kind of, like, excited to be speaking German with another German (laughs) guy. But, yeah, the German guy's like, it's okay, I went to school in America, like, my English is pretty good. And then Kay Kurgan's flirting with this guy immediately. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's so horny for that German. They're like having a great time. <laughs> Agent Inspector uh, Bruno. It's yeah, it's mutual. There's like some chemistry here. They shake with their left hand, which I I don't know why made me laugh. <laughs> but it's like obvious they have in the background, like they have uh, uh, Devin and Abe observing this. Yeah. So it's just like. Oh, they're just showing you, like, <laughs> this is palpable to everyone, their, like, flirtation and shit. They're talking about how, like, you know, there's no way the helicopter could have gotten this far without some kind of, like, magic. Or if they refueled, they would have been seen and held up. So it's really weird that it got this far. Yeah, and it's only, it's been a full week? Is that what I, I if I'm correct? Where does he say that? It's like, the time it's been missing for a week? Am I wrong? Uh, I thought that I, th- again, I read it only twice. Am I wrong? Let me look here. Yeah, nearly a week later. That's crazy to me that like, yeah. one, I, I it's interesting that we took a jump from like 
all like all hell breaking loose and now we're jumping like a week later to like yeah. it's been a week since Liz and the copter disappeared and now it showed up. <laughs> yeah. And where have they yeah, so it's like where have they been this whole time and how did they hide this giant fucking chopper? It's really weird. And then this agent Bruno guy is like, You think that's weird? Come check out this old lady's house. She always would call us about little kids coming to attack her. But she like didn't she couldn't work a camera, so she all she did was draw pictures of these little guys. And we see the drawings all over her house that that we saw on the previous issue of these guys like with little electronics carrying shovels and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, because apparently children, she's claiming, well, they've had burglaries of like stealing wires and metal yeah. and electronics, like you said. And it's like she she thinks it's children. And they just think she's like pretty much just wrote her off. <laughs> yeah, they were like, this lady's kooky. Like, but uh, although they are like missing, you know, plumbing and stuff from these suburban houses. And then they see that there's blood inside and all the shotgun damage. Um, Johan starts to like reach out to see if he can find her. But Abe discovers a drawing in one of the bedrooms seemingly made of like probably some kind of viscera and gore or or maybe this woman, you know, continued art projects. But we've seen blood on the floor and I, I like assume that there's blood involved in this uh, little art project on the wall. That's what I thought, too. Um, yeah. Uh, but we see the black flame being surrounded by frogs. Oh, boy. And he's, like, with his hands up, seemingly, like, resurrected or something. So it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> the black flame. <laughs> um, so that's bad. Yeah, because the last time we saw the black flame, he fell into a fucking, uh, a cav- like, a, a, a hole in the earth. <laughs> mm. Yeah, didn't really, I mean, wasn't sure I would be seeing him again, but, Yeah. That seems that seems bad. And then we cut to the BPRD headquarters. Panya's being like spoon fed, basically. And while that's happening, you know, she's having like a nice conversation with the doctor who's taking care of her. Uh, but then we see this like bizarre looking creature that's like a mix of like some kind of ape or monkey and a pelican. Yeah. And it like escaped from some lower deck or something of the BPRD headquarters and is playing with the cat. I assume it's one of the creatures from the island that she came from, like one of their weird. Oh yes, their yes, weird yes. Doctor Moroian like kind like of cross, experimental yeah. creatures. And the doctor's like, "Oh, sorry. Oh, th- that that should be with the other ba- uh, creatures in sub basement too." And Pony's just like, "Oh, I must have escaped, but they're having such fun, aren't they? Where's the harm in that?" <laughs> so I. I don't know, like, what's going to come of that necessarily, but it's, you know, it's a little creepy. Panya seems to not be too disturbed by it, but this thing, you know, escaping, it can't be good. Like, it can't be good. Yeah, it's, but I love, it's setting up, like, you're wondering, like, is Panya going to, like, like, surround herself with them? Is she familiar with them from that island enough that she's just, like... And she doesn't, if she doesn't find them harmful, it's like. Right. She's not afraid of them. So like what? Yeah. I don't know what's going on there exactly. And will that influence the rest of the BPRD, her like opinions of these creatures too? Yeah. It seems to not be swallowing that cat whole. So that's pretty, that's a good start. Yeah. Him and that cat are just having a great old time. Yeah. (laughs) Then we go, we go back to outside Munich and Kate, Abe and Johan are talking about like. 
This is the Black Flame. Barely anybody knows about this guy. Like, pretty much me, Johan, and, like, Liz saw him, but we didn't even really make official reports about it. This is really weird. And, you know, Kate's like, maybe you saw him on TV or something. He's like, no, this guy wasn't even on TV. Like, it was, like, before all the other Cothahem stuff. So Abe is like, hey, Bruno, is there any, like, underground construction happening? Or And he's like, yeah, how did you know that? That's so weird. It's right over here. Um, they go to check that out because they suspect, like, frog involvement. <laughs> so Kate uh, stays up to talk to Bruno and, like, mm, I guess talk. She just, like, gets more intel from him. But basically it's like they're going to continue to flirt. <laughs> yeah, she has a big and smile then, on her face. Yeah, she's down. She's like, yeah, I'll totally stay here. And then Johan and Abe walk into the cave. And they're sort of talking about, like, how there was a, like, Abe's bringing up another helicopter crash back when they were at Crab Point, where there was, like, that weird little girl and, like, the preacher and all these other frog things were going down. Yeah, that was a crazy copter crash, too. (laughs) Yeah, and so, yeah, he's, like, he's, like, Abe's kind of trying to piece it together, but he's not really sure what's going on. They see something up ahead, and it's this crazy cavernous area of the, I guess, like, it's not even the dig site. It's just, like, close to where they were going to put in this, like, metro tunnel or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just crazy looking, sort of, like, sort of steampunk-esque kind of giant mechanical creatures. Yeah, they look, like, almost like beetles to me. Like, they're, they, they, totally. they're like, designed to look like a giant insect. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, totally. Like, beetles is exactly, like, exactly my thought. And then, and they're very obviously, like, they look, they don't look very organic. They look handmade. Mm-hmm. And we see these little um, underground dweller guys that we saw before who had, like, kidnapped Liz and kept her in their, like, little engine. Yeah. And, yeah, Abe is like, those machines are familiar. Like, they both recognize them. They look like those proto-humans we ran into up in the Earl Mountains years ago, uh, the ones who kidnapped Liz. And they're like, well, you know, they weren't very, like, sophisticated at that point. Like, how are they rebuilding these things with, like, little electronics that they're stealing from the town? And as they're talking about that, of course, like, one sneaks up behind them and (laughs) jumps them. And then as Kate is out here talking to Bruno, one of the giant monstrous robots smashes up through the ground (laughs) and emerges. And there's, like, two of them walking out, fucking just smashing everything in its wake. Abe and Johan get out of there, like, just in time. Devin sees this happening, like, a few blocks away, tries to call on his phone to the um, headquarters, but he's getting nothing but feedback. Everybody is, like, miraculously okay. Kate's like, weren't you looking for the frogs? And they were like, yeah, we found these. We don't know what the fuck's going on either. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, yeah, the, the, like these big robotic creatures kind of stomp right past them and start heading towards Munich, smashing the cops in their, in their way. Abe's like, Hey Devin, Oh, thank God you're okay. Did you, did you get to call headquarters? Devin's like, no, the phone's all screwed up. Abe points to the phone booth and is like, yeah, try the phone booth. And like Devin (laughs) hesitates because like pretty much, I think it was like the first, I don't don't know if it's the first time we see him or like early on in like, when we see Devin. Yeah, it's in the universal got, machine where he was. Yeah, he gets in stuck in there in the phone booth with like all of the uh, 
werewolves surrounding it. So he's like hesitating, which is a really fun like. Yeah. I love he has trauma from it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't, don't, okay. okay. You know, uh, Abe's like, what? He's like, nothing. Um, you know, so he has to go use this phone booth to try to call the BPRD. Yeah. And so they're like, we don't know what the fuck's going on, but all of these robots are now active and like leaving a wake of utter destruction, just like fire and completely demolishing everything in, in their path. And they're heading towards the city. Yeah. What a, a wonderful closing splash page. It's just. Yeah. I. What a, I don't know. I'm just like, it's like shocking. It's legitimately like shocking, like how quickly they're just like out and they're just destroying everything. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. And it's it like com- for a second as the reader, you're sitting there like, oh, okay, like what kind of wires is Abe going to have to pull out to like uh, sabotage these robots? And before you even, before they even think about doing any shit like that, the robots are already smashing through the ground and <laughs> heading towards the city. It's wild. I love it. And I love, I love the dialogue leading to that last page where um, Abe's talking to like a German police officer. It might even Mm -hmm. be Bruno. I can't tell from the back, but it's like, I don't get it. Why giant robots? Why now? For the life of me, I just can't put this together. And then the police officer says, but isn't that your job to figure out things exactly like this? And then over the splash page, I'm, I'm assuming it's Abe. Yeah, it yeah. sure is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, this is my job, and I'm completely at a fucking loss as to what's going on. The design of these robots is pretty cool. I think they're, yeah. Because they're, like, be- they're beetle-esque, but they have these crazy, like, vertical plates that are, like, in the front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love those vertical plates that you're pointing out. They're so odd. They, again, they're it's similar to, like, how, in a weird way, the Cathu Ham, Cathu Ham, and all of those um, giant monsters are sort of have these weird designs that make you boggle your brain. Yeah, you know, in that Lovecraftian way. Yeah. it's interesting that Guy Davis designed these creatures, even though they're not organic, to sort of have that feeling as well. Because you're like, oh, yeah. I understand the body, and then they get to that flathead. I'm like, what the fuck? is that for right. why is it designed that right. way <laughs> and these tentacles like you can almost hear them like whipping around yeah you know um any oh, cool. i'm I, I really like this page i mean this this these um these splash pages that are in here they just really ramp up so quickly like i love one i mean i'm jealous of anybody that got to see like the because i didn't the uh when you first see the machines all parked and being worked on, just that full two-page layout of them. Yeah. That is yeah. fucking beautiful. And then I love that it just ramps up to these half-page, like the claw coming out. Then it, the one walking out with Abe and uh, Yo- Johan running from it. <laughs> There's like two of them coming from behind. And then that splash page of thoom with it just emerging and crash. I love that. Yeah. Oh, it just keeps... The ramp up is so cool and awesome. Yeah, and it's definitely Bruno at the end that's speaking with Abe. His little red hair. His little German yeah. red hair. God, I mean, I can't even like, it's like every, these BPRDs, it's so hard to pick like, oh, I love this moment because it's just like, they. Re- I, want, I would love to see like, if they're like a draft of the script to see how precise it is as it moves because it just feels, they waste, we've already talked about this and it feels like, a broken record as I always feel like I am, but like they're just so precise and just 
not wasting any time. Yeah, the momentum has really picked up at this point. It's like they're bringing everything together. Like we have, yeah, like all of these threads are sort of finally like getting braided together here with like the frogs and the black flame and these other characters who you're kind of like, oh, I thought they were, I thought these like little underground proto-human guys were like a cool one-off where Liz, you know, like a rescue mission. And now it's like, oh shit, this is way worse than we thought. Yeah, they were. Are they all like working together or are they fighting against each other in some way or what? We don't know what's happening. Yeah, and did... But they're a lot better. Like they're, they're a lot more sophisticated. Their operation is a lot like further along than the BPRD expected. Right. And like you're wondering like, do they still have some of Liz's power? Why did Gilfred want her to go there to stop yeah. them? Yeah, exactly. What's powering them now? What is powering them? I mean, you would definitely see part of the machine that looks... The machine that's like in the far down the corridor of the mall parked, yeah. it looks very similar to the machine that they trapped Liz in. Yeah. Design-wise yeah. and stuff. So it's that, cool. like engine. Yeah. And we talked about this last last episode, but like Guy Davis's expressions, I absolutely love. Like I love his two like like the the page where the um, Abe and Johan are running away from the giant machine. Abe's expression at the top of that page is so fucking cool. It's just like his just like fear, like get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then of course, what we laughed about is like Devin's expression when he's looks back to Abe after looking at the phone booth is so good. It's such like a funny deadpan <laughs> look. Yeah. It's like, please don't make me go in there. <laughs> I love that. What was your level of surprise? I was fucking shocked. I'm like, that- what? I'm reading these like, what the fuck is going on? Like, truly. Yeah. I, yeah. I couldn't, I never suspected that, the, the, these proto people, proto beings, uh, proto humans. I never suspected these giant machines. So each little step was just so like, oh wow, and then oh god, oh wow, <laughs> like they really got me, like shocked. They're just bringing back everything, yeah. And then I'm looking at the f- chapter four cover now, yeah, and it's like even more crazy shit going on, like two <laughs> giant monsters fighting each other. With a little Johan in the foreground going, hello. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> I didn't even, I'll be honest, Les, I think when I first read this, I didn't, ca- or looking at the, I didn't catch his hello. <laughs> hello. It's like so small and like, it's this teeny little bubble that's so simple and silly. They like never have speech bubbles really on the covers of Hellboy, you know, like it's. Always just like a visual thing. Yeah, I was going to, I was thinking the same thing. Like I associate like speech bubbles on the covers of like classic old Marvel covers where there's like almost too much dialogue on the cover. Right. It's like, this is, yeah, right. I'm reading a fucking book on the cover here. (laughs) And it's very funny. And like. It is funny. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello. What? It's like, why? Yeah. I guess just like in the face of like. They need a little levity in the face of how fucking bad everything's going right now. Which is, I'll let you take over, but it, which is immediately, wow. I thought it was bad right. when we where we left off, but. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much worse. Flip over. There's like a little, at least in my version, there's an insert of the proto-human like leader guy who we saw when, during the like Liz rescue years ago that 
Abe is referring to. Oh, I wonder if that's, um, let me look. Because is that in the... In Hollow Earth, right? That's the, he's like the dude who was like the leader. Yeah, I'm wondering which, are you reading the, just to clarify, because I was, I'm on, I'm reading from the, the BPRD Plague of Frogs omnibus. Are you reading from just the... No, I'm reading from the BPRD volume 10, The Warning. Great. I have both yeah. ready. I want to look and see if I can see that insert. Because sure. there are some cool inserts. It's always di- interesting because they throughout the, the collection, they have little fun inserts throughout of like that they include on the collection yeah. that you're doing. But then they remove those when they went to the omnibus. And it's, I don't know why. Because it's like, it sort of adds. There's some just page count shit. It's disappointing because I assume those little inserts were part of the issues is what I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause like even chapter three had a cool, like close up on the, the black flame, like a little weird, yeah. like a drawing, but maybe they were only for, for all I know, they were only a part of this collection and that's why they were easily removed. But yeah. Oh, that's true. I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, cool. And then we open with, I'll let you take over the, the um, insane splash page of like continued destruction by these uh, walking robotic beetles. If you showed me this splash page with no context, I would have... I'd be like, oh, Ragnarok happened. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. Abe's watching the world burn. There's, like, jets flying, you know, like, military jets over the whole thing. Um, Abe is, like, standing on a ruin. And then even the next page is, like, you have Johan come out, and he kind of, like, points around the old neighborhood, but it's, like, (laughs) everything is on fire. He's like, yeah, we used to hang out right over here. You know, he's kind of like just talking yeah. about he grew up there and he just sees that it's like being raised. It's like completely destroyed. And then Johan does start to talk a little bit about like, you know, he's talking about how the city's dying, but he also refers to himself. I've changed. I'll change again. I've accepted that. But I thought she would remain constant, uh, even if I could never live here. It was nice to believe that somebody always could. So he's like mourning the city. But it seems too yeah. like he's finally coming to accept that, you know, he, he maybe like having a human body isn't in the cards for him or anything anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, th- I, uh, I agree. Yeah. Like, it's almost like seeing this world burn is giving him a little more like he's seeing the bigger picture that his his own want is not as important. Mm-hmm. And Abe even says like, well, like Johan's getting sentimental at this point. He's like, "No, Johan, don't go, so- um, don't get soft on me now." And then we see like Kate and Bruno talking. Like they see one, like the they had destroyed one of these giant robots, but after that, the other remaining ones seem to be changing or like adapting. And we're looking at a close up of them, and they look less metallic. Yeah, and they're like they seem to be like growing like they're growing these sort of like bumpy kind of like uh crustaceany sort of like shells you know these like bumps and like divots are emerging on the like outside shell part of where you know before it was smooth metal yeah now it's looking more organic yeah which is very strange and the fact that they're adapting to like whatever they throw at them they're like well then we'll find a way to and i love that like Bruno's like changing into what? And all is can yeah. say is like, I don't know, something very hard to kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the loss they're at. Something very hard to kill. And then Abe and Johan and like a little handful of BPRD agents 
go down back into the tunnel. Devin stayed out of it because they're like, oh, Devin's, you know, his strong point isn't in the field, but he's like in this other project that could be really important or that, you know, he thought was very important. And we see him looking at the scanned pages that he was like working on in the previous issue. So we're not really sure what is going on yet with that. I love real quick. I want to point out the 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 slightly insane design for the BPRD's like armor. It's like they're all dressed like old samurais. Like yeah, I guess it's like well, they refer to it too. Like not right now, but like later on in the issue, it's like oh, this makes Kevlar look like cotton or something. I think they say. But yeah, I guess it's like it. It reminds me of like. It's like bomb squad shit. And they even say, they're like, yeah, we have C4. Or mm-hmm. they don't say it yet, but they'll they'll say it in a moment. But yeah, it, like with the whole like the neck guards and stuff. But yeah, I can totally see what you're saying as far as like the the way that the like texture is depicted looks almost like the like woven front of a yeah. um, of like samurai armor. And I think this the shoulder plates remind me a lot of like samurai armor. For sure. Uh, yeah. Cool. I just had to point it out. I mean, samurai armor is just fucking badass. It is very badass. Cool they're, they're a bunch yeah. of BPRD Ronins. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> just without the cool helmet. <laughs> yeah. Their heads are all exposed. Except, or at least Abe and, <laughs> <Yeah. Abe> and <laughs> Johan. They've got, oh yeah, and like pretty much right after that is where they start talking about, yeah, we have like 300 pounds of C4 plastic explosives. We're going to blow this generator up. Last time Liz was in there and we extracted her and this time, you know, we'll see if uh, blowing them up has any effect on <laughs> the creatures that are running around. They've got like fucking bazookas and shit. They get down to the area where the robots were being housed before they emerged. And now it's like pretty abandoned. But they they blast the the bazooka just in that general direction and they just kind of sta- stand and wait and then, of course, all the proto-humans show up with all their swords. There's so many of them. And they just start <laughs> blasting. Like, the BPRD agents are, like, just shooting the hell out of them to smithereens until they're, like, in a, you know, they're, like, ankle deep in gore and dead <laughs> bodies and stuff. And the rest of the proto-humans retreat. Oh, yeah, and this is where the one agent said, yeah, these vests make Kevlar look like cotton. Too bad for these little bastards. They ain't got him. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, and it's interesting. He calls out that like they they are outnumbered, but Abe points out that it's like not so much fighting them. You know what I mean? Like I was like, that's an interesting thing that like they just they swarmed, but then they were easily after several of them are literally blown to bits, <laughs> run off. Yeah, and then I guess um, Johan's like, okay, I see, I understand now. Don't worry, Abraham, I won't fail you. And he starts like using his like ectoplasmic form to like go over all of these guys i don't quite see yet you know at that point i was like is he gonna like get information from them like right. i wasn't totally sure yet is he gonna um, reanimate them i don't who knows yeah cuts back to these like you know more organic looking giant robot creatures like literally the the like things that appeared to be like headlamps almost before mm-hmm. now have like now have very organic looking like eyelids practically and it seems to be like wet. It's like yeah, it's underbelly emanating some kind of liquid. So yeah, very like crustaceany. And the Germans are talking about like, yeah, we used all our missiles. We're gonna have to use fucking like horrible cruise missiles to try to blow these things up, even though it'll like kill half the city. But you know, these things are gonna kill off the city anyway. Meanwhile, back in the tunnels, 
they're walking further deeper into the tunnels and Johan's kind of like extracted information about like where to go. Um, there are no more little like guys bothering them at this point. They're like empty there. Mm-hmm. He's a huge cavern. Wow. Mm-hmm. We see the leader that we saw in the little insert from Hollow Earth, either like a spectral form of him or just like a sh- him in the shadows watching them. And they approach like another giant cavernous area that has two enormous like lizard-like creatures. <laughs> Being ridden. Like fucking like Godzilla sized. Yeah, like just giant guys. And then seemingly like more, you know, pre-human tech behind them and a bunch of these proto-human guys. Johan's like, I don't feel Liz here. Like, Liz is probably not here. So Abe's like, okay, give me that rocket launcher. Blasts one of the one of the lizards. And then he's like, Johan. And Johan embodies the lizard, which is so cool. Yeah. And then fights the other <laughs> lizard <laughs> as like a big purple Johan lizard. Love it. Uh, so we get like a cool like kaiju fight, which is great. I love how the BPRD agents are like, a lot of times they're written as like this humor of being not being able to handle the field. Because like, first off, before the moment I'm of this fight, like before they even get to the creatures, one of them is like referencing what Johan did to get the information. He's like, man, that was the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Fighting goblins and stuff is one thing, but Jesus. And then like Johan's like, hey, the souls of the dead aren't to be feared. But then in the midst of this battle of these two big fucking kaiju monsters that Johan is now controlling one that guy well that I am assuming that's the same guy or a different one yeah he's like oh god oh god oh god I'm gonna puke (laughs) yeah shut up and shoot your damn gun (laughs) it's like why are you not trained dude (laughs) yeah I guess you know all the training in the world couldn't prepare you for two giant kaiju guys true They're blasting away. They're they're killing all of these little proto-humans. And they're planting the C4 on this, like, thing that seems to be the generator for this whole area. Johan, as lizard, is eating, gobbling up just <laughs> droves of the proto-humans. I love that we have a whole page of just that, of him just yeah. gobbling them all up. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, once they have all the C4 planted, Abe's like, okay, Johan, clear the way. And he's, like, just, like, hoovering up these little guys. <laughs> And he's like, get, let's get the fuck out of here. Abe's like, give me this detonation device. They're like, are you sure? Because like almost immediately the proto-humans start like ripping at the wires and stuff that's connecting all the C4. So yeah. Abe has to like hurry up. He hits the detonator. It explodes. And that's the end of chapter four. They leave you totally hanging. Yeah. Because you're like. You don't know. You don't know. What? A, you know, is Abe engulfed in this flame, in this fire? You don't. You have no idea. Yeah. We don't know how far away they got away from it. Yeah. Because like. The last image. It's happening all so fast, you know. They're barely running away when he hits that detonator. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. wild. It's such a, I wouldn't call bleak, but just you're completely, like you just said, like you're completely in the dark of like, what could possibly have happened? It's pretty movie. bleak. <laughs> it can't, you're like, this can't be good. If they got out, it's like a miracle. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But what a wild, fun ride. <laughs> So cool. I I do love a big lizard fight. Um, it's just very fun. The stakes are just super high now, and the scale of things is so high. Like literally, there there's like giants fighting and leveling the streets of the world. 
Yeah. And it's just the warning. This isn't even the main thing. Yeah, this is you know? exactly. Just the warning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I it's love gonna get that. worse. So it's just getting, it's like on this uh, scale now that's just like pretty close to an apocalyptic scale at this point. There's going to be like huge numbers of like casualties and all this stuff. It's getting really scary. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, first off, I love the use of the, in this whole series, the use of the splash page, not just for show, but like really good storytelling, mainly the opening of this issue. Just presenting how dire it is and what situation we're in. And then everything that these, this big battle, these two like page, these four pages that were like double page layouts of this monster fight is fucking rad as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that like this is setting up because I think Kathu Ham, that and the um, Black Flame storyline was like the first time that like really BPRD's like world got shown to the world. Like, they yeah. were a secret. They were not like that secret. They were a known agency, but what their dealings were were pretty much kept like safely packed away unless it yeah. necessary. But that like made everything go like, oh, now the world knows that there's these insane monsters. But now I'm like, this is another thing that I'm like, how do you recover the? How does the world recover even from this? <laughs> like, right, Jesus! You had Kathu Ham yeah. on the U.S. land, and now this in Munich. Oh my God! Yeah, it's like a horrible international level. And this isn't even the plague of frogs. It's a whole other fucking issue <laughs> of, of beings that are causing trouble. <laughs> right. Like, oh, we thought we dealt with these guys, and here they are with like crazy destructive capability that we didn't anticipate at all. Yeah. Because we were on the trail of this other group. It's wild. Yeah, so crazy. I really, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm just absolutely digging it. Um, I can't wait to, to do the la- to read the last issue. Yeah, now, you've gone ahead, of course. We won't be. I couldn't. Yeah, I, I did. I'll probably read it after this. I was just like, recording. well, let's just go see. <laughs> but we're not gonna cover it today. No. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Any favorite moments from these? If this last issue or the both these two issues or anything you want to highlight? Johan being a lizard and biting the other lizard's neck. I like. Uh, I have to say, on that yeah. regard, the movie, we love it when he takes over the robot. I gotta say, this trumps that. It's fucking awesome to watch Johan take over this giant lizard. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> it's really cool. That's, yeah, that's probably my favorite from this one. I mean, I like the creatures, the like robots becoming more organic too. Yeah. That's just that's such fun. a mysterious element. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, because it's like, what can evolve that quickly? Like, it's like beyond technology. It's some other kind of crazy, it's like magic and technology merging. It's cool. It's very cool. Wow. I'm, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. I'm excited to see where it goes. And then, if, yeah, as you already pointed out, this is just the warning. It's like, what are they, if this is the warning, then what is to follow? <laughs> right. It's bad. It's going to be bad. Oh, God, I love it. I I really love his. I want to call out Guy Davis's expressions because off of the opening splash page, the first expression that Abe has is just such. It's just like at a loss. Like he does yeah. take immediate action, but he's just. You automatically feel like t- immediately him just taking in like I don't have an a reply. 
I don't have the proper reply right. to this destruction. Yeah, he's just speechless. I love that. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's in, it's it's enthralling, it's exciting, it's everything you want. <laughs> totally. Big fan, big fan. Anything I I have to say like anything I would suggest that just makes me think of this is a two things. One the um any version of it if you want to read the novel or the really wacky more so the the Steven Spielberg version of War of the Worlds. Uh, oh yeah, the tripods, his design, and their t their their tentacles remind me of a lot. And I'm very curious if yeah. these tripods not they're not tripods in this, of course, they're more of an organic beetle kind of shape. But I'm wondering, I'm very curious if there's anything that they talk about these being inspired by the tripods that that um, H. G. Wells created for War of the Worlds. Yeah. Because they remind me of a lot of that. But it's cool that like that story is about these creatures coming from Mars. And I love this is like these things are coming emerging straight out of the earth. Right. <laughs> that's their origin. I love that. Yeah. Just anything that's like it predates humanity. Like I think that element of it is really fun. Yeah. And I got to say their big generator that the lizards are around. It reminds me exactly of the um, Return of the Jedi. uh when they fly into the Death Star too, and they that's the, it looks like the thing that they have to their generator they have to blow up in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big time. Um, that and then I, I the proto humans remind me a lot of the I can't remember their names H G Wells as well his his novel and then like his the I've never seen the guy the guy uh, Pierce version but the like fifties version of the time machine. There's they have creatures that live underground that come up and like steal away the humans. They're like proto-human as well. I can't remember what they're called, but that reminds me of a lot of this. It feels very inspired by the, those old sci-fi. Morlocks? Morlocks, yes. Yeah. I'm glad you could think of the Morlocks. Um they the proto-humans remind me of like sort of inspired by the Morlocks of H.G. Wells. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's just yeah, it's like a lot of stories coming together. You know, I and he like Mignola does that all the time where he's like taking elements from other stories that he, uh, uh, like fantasy stuff that he likes. Yeah. But again, I don't think these are, these are like clearly inspired by that, but they're just, they feel all their own. Like yeah. these kaijus yeah. clearly are inspired by like monsters of like, uh, like what, what's the, the guy that did all the stop motion uh, monsters. Oh God. Oh my gosh. Clash of the Titans. What is his name? Oh, um, um, it's on the tip of my brain. Uh, and he did like the cre the the creature from three thousand whatever mile. What is that guy's name? I'm gonna look it up because I'm angry that I can't think of it right now. <laughs> Ray Ray Harryhausen. Oh, cool. All of his like, if you look up the his like monster creations from back in the day and his stop motion. They remind me of these creatures, like all his dinosaur stop motion, and there's specifically a movie called 20 Million Miles to Earth. You should look at the creature that Kaiju like. That creature's fucking awesome, and I it reminds me of like sort of what it it, it walks on its hind legs, but its design and its texture reminds me a lot of Guy Davis's. Oh yeah, lizards. totally. <laughs> I, oh, he's cool. They're just these classic early day monster movies that I love that these feel like 
But then they, they, they add these huge stakes to, of course, in BPRD. This looks awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we recently watched uh, Clash of the Titans and this, uh, some other, some other fucking shit where there's tons of like special effects like that. Uh, but it, yeah, they're, what, it's so fun. Yeah. Harry, Harry, Ray Harryhausen is just the pioneer of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you haven't, uh, and if you've never seen it, I highly suggest watching the original King Kong. It holds up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen the original King Kong. It's, yeah, yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's like, it's shocking how watchable it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, it's like for, because uh, I feel like so many movies for modern audiences, it's like, this is, uh, you know, either like just unbearably slow or doesn't make a lick of sense or whatever. But, but yeah, like King Kong, it's just a simple, straightforward story. And the effects are still cool looking. Yeah, I love it. I love it. This 20 million miles to Earth looks really cool. I'm going to watch this. Totally watch it. It's, it's awesome. It's cheesy and fun. I think it's 50s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's 50, yeah, 57. 50, it's great 50s fucking sci-fi. Hell yeah. Uh, but great. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited to finish this story out with you, Kate, next week. And um, that'll be great. Um, everything we just mentioned, go check it out, everybody. Yeah. Um, and we, but more importantly, we want to hear your thoughts on the these last two issues of the warning or anything about the warning you want to share or thoughts. You can email us at ahcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. Um, but before we close out of here, we mentioned last week that I finally received my Hellboy, um, the board game Giant Robot Hellboy figurine from Mantic Games because they were very cool. I moved during when that got originally shipped, and they finally got it to me. They didn't ask any questions. They just were like, the "Box looks nice." Did you take a picture of the box? Oh, I'll, I'll open. I'll get the plastic off, and then I'll take a picture yeah. of the box, and then we'll uh, we're gonna open it right here and talk about it just briefly it to end so the cool. episode because I haven't opened it. I was gonna open. I'm not one of these freaks that would just keep it in the box. <laughs> I'm like torn because I'm half that freak. Well, the thing is, it's meant to be played with the board game, and for sure, yeah, yeah, we're still. Tr- I agree that you should open it, but uh, you know, it does, it does, you know, keeping something in a nice box. I don't know something about that is. Yeah, I'm trying to open it. Check something off in my head. I'm trying to open it slowly so I don't do the classic thing where I just tear the box to bits. Don't tear the box for the love of God. This is, t- I mean. It's, you can open it, it's but so, tear it. It's so tight. It's so tight, the box. <laughs> Be gentle. Use Beth's little fingers. Get Beth's little fingers to do it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Use her delicate fingers. I have small hands, too. <laughs> you don't have small hands like Beth. I didn't rip it, okay? I didn't rip Yay. it. Yay! Stop talking about my wife's small hands. <laughs> <laughs> They're delicate and petite. Great. The box is still intact in good shape. It is. It looks great. Great. Okay. So I got this Thank open. God. All right, we got some. First off, the car because you're this this figurine is not like just a collectible. I mean, it can be for you, but it's meant to be played in on the board game. Yeah. So it has. Car, I'm not going to open these right now, but the it's Sweet. it comes with these cool the playing cards for Giant Robot Hellboy. Um, and it has like with like the stats and all that stuff. Yeah, and it has like the cool. sketch, the original oh, Mignola awesome. reprint of his. Uh, Mignola's Giant Robot Hellboy sketch from 2020. It does say this, but without opening, it says, Using Giant Robot Hellboy. It says, These rules are designed for solo play, with one player controlling Giant Robot Hellboy and no other agents present. Whenever the rules refer to the number of agents, Giant Robot Hellboy counts as three. 
For example, when setting the uh, requisition budget or preparing the encounter deck for a case. Uh, I got to get Clay Larson on this to explain it. Yeah, really? Um, Giant Robot Hellboy's agent board and made up in made up of seven cards, which should be set up as a sh- as shown. On the back of this card, in all other eight respects, it acts like any other agent. It gets three action cubes per quick round and can make all normal actions. It can take requisition cards as normal, with the exception any cards that are melee or ranged weapons. Yeah, I'll get I'll get a um, Clay Larson to explain that to us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but okay. That's good though. There, it is. You have to put it together. That's the fun part. It's like it's in the bubble wrap. It, it's all like in pieces. Yeah, it's all in pieces, but it looks like really cool. The detail. It does look really cool. Oh man. I, I mean, I won't put it together now because you have to like cut it. It's like the mold is like still attached. Involved. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it looks freaking cool. I love the little detail too because it like the its base plate. It has like the buildings that are smashed like in the sketch. Awesome. And all of that. Big robot tail. I love it. I can't wait to put that together. But it was cool to yeah. open it with you. Send me the picture. Or I guess post it. And then I'll, I'll post it. it. I'll send it to you first. Yeah. Yeah. But that's it. <laughs> we just, you know, did a quick reopening and unboxing of the giant robot Hellboy that I finally got. So thank you, Mantic Games, again. So, yeah, thank you. I can't wait for us to be in person um, to be able to play the board game more. Because we definitely have not played enough of it. No, <laughs> it's a fun game. It was really fun, the times we got to play. Yeah. And I can't wait for us to eventually get to play the role-playing game and create little uh, our own little agents. That was a fun one, too. Yeah. I did like that one. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that again. And again, listeners, yeah. please let us know. Would you be interested in us doing playing that on a regular basis, streaming, you know, for you guys to watch and enjoy and chime in on? So let us know if you'd <laughs> like that. Again, yeah. we'd let, you can chime in, tell us, send us your thoughts on anything at crap, a hellboy podcast at gmail.com. As well as you can follow us on Instagram at crap, a hellboy podcast, Twitter crap, hellboy. Um, just be aware that we will online in the social media avenues. If you comment anything, we'll try our best to respond on those platforms. But if you do want your thoughts shared, you want to email us. That's where we'll share your thoughts on the show. And Please, if you have the option to rate and review us on what, however you're listening to the show, do so. But if you go out of your way to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, and in your review starts with the word boom, B-O-O-M, we will read your review right here on the show and give you big old praise and shout out. We call that Boom Reviews. Yay. So please give us a Boom Review. That will keep listeners coming to the show. Um, and if you have friends that would be into the show, share it with them. Why not? Um, but that is it for this episode. I mean, I'm very excited to finish out the warning. I'm almost sorry that we just, it feels like it's right there. Just one issue away. Finishing I know. <laughs> on such an exciting <laughs> fucking demolition story. <laughs> demolition filled story. Yeah. It's so destructive. I know. I love it. Can't wait to see <laughs> how they get out of it. Um, but that being said, that is all we have. Thank you for listening, and remember... We love ya. Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. 
Sophia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.